Hi, everyone. This is another episode of Connecting the Dots podcast. I'm Skip Stewart, Vice President and Chief Improvement Officer for Baptist Memorial Healthcare. And hello, everybody. I'm Jake Lancaster, an internal medicine physician and the Chief Medical Information Officer for the Baptist System. We are so excited. Today, we have Steve Kane from Gimba Academy, and uh, Steve's going to be talking to us about some of the lessons he's learned about improving um you know, virtual training. And so we're really excited about that. Steve, if you would tell us a little bit about yourself and about the company you work for. Sure. Yeah. So uh, looking back a few decades, uh, I studied philosophy at the University of California, Santa Cruz. And uh, from a philosophy degree, found my way into medical device manufacturing, which is where I learned about lean TWI, a little bit about Six Sigma, uh, Etc. And about eight years ago, uh, went from Med Device to Gemba Academy, and I've had a, a few different roles here uh, in uh, sales, marketing, customer success, and now I'm the director of coaching and certification. Uh, and in all of these roles, one of my primary uh, responsibilities was helping people apply what they're learning uh, from Gemba Academy videos, and so coaching people through the process of uh, applying lean and establishing lean practices and improving business operations. That's great, Steve. And thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast. Um, let's start just by talking about virtual training. How long have you been doing virtual training? Well, I've been doing this for about eight years. So, so most of us, when COVID hit, shifted some of our training to virtual. I can say that, you know, we have not really analyzed um, how our virtual training compares to our in-person training. Um, and I would imagine that the consistency and the quality of our training uh, is varied across uh, our different areas where we're, we're training our new staff. Uh, tell us about um, kind of y'all's journey with uh, virtual training. What were some of the issues you had in the beginning um, you know, how do you improve virtual training? Sure. Yeah. So going back to before the pandemic, I did you know, quite a bit of virtual training, uh, you know, using video chat or video conference. And something that I saw that really shifted was before the pandemic, it, it seemed pretty unusual that people were willing to turn on their cameras. And then during the, the pandemic, I think uh, it People just generally accepted the fact that they're going to be doing a lot of work through video conference. So more and more people started turning on the camera. So it really does change the training experience, right? As a trainer, being able to read faces is really important. And um, and I think it's also important for everybody to see uh, everybody else. So the dynamic started to change during the pandemic uh, and people became a little more uh, engaged in online training uh, during that time. So uh, and some, you know, some of the challenges that come with it, as I, I'm sure everybody's aware, there's a certain energy in the room when you're, you're you know, working face to face. So that doesn't that isn't as easy to uh, generate, I, in my opinion, when we're uh, doing uh, training over a, a video conference platform. There's still a little bit of a distance there. Yeah, Skip was saying before we got started that his jokes in the in the live training environment just killed, and then on the on the virtual platforms, you know, he's he's getting crickets. 
You know, I know, <laughs> right. I know from my experience, I, I get lots of laughter with my jokes, no matter the medium. So it's good. Yeah, I, I don't know if I've ever gotten laughter, for, whether it's in person or or not. But let, let's, uh, Steve, I know that uh, y'all at Gimba Academy do a lot of TWI, just like we do. And, sure. and as you know, the TWI original format was kind of two hours each day, Monday through Friday. And and I think two hours is still different in a virtual setting than it is in an in-class setting. Um, what has been your experience as far as the time that you can um, do training for at any one setting? Because you can keep people for hours and hours, but that doesn't mean that they're not checked out mentally at some point. Right, right. Yeah, So, so that's a really important thing to think about. I agree uh, with the TWI approach of two hours a day for five days. I, uh, I think that's a really great way to help people internalize new methods, that repetition from day to day. Uh, doing that online, in my opinion, is, is much more difficult because, uh, first of all, a two-hour session on video is long. People will get tired uh, of that. People get tired of staring at the screen, and engagement can really wane. Uh, very, very quickly. I try to limit my online training sessions to uh, 90 minutes. An hour for me is ideal. So where TWI is really built around this two hours per day, well, how do you get that in, uh, in, in an hour or an hour and a half per day? So we have to be kind of creative about how we're demonstrating things uh, and how we're working through the material. And um, the uh, the engagement I think the engagement issue really is uh, really is the issue or, or really is a problem, particularly because you know we're asking somebody to to sit in a in a, in a training session for say one to two hours, but these people could have just spent the rest of the day in meetings online right? and they're already uh, fatigued from video conference and then they come into a two hour session that's very very challenging for them uh, so. Overcoming that hurdle is uh, is kind of venturing into the unknown. I'm not. I don't know how to uh, uh, how to overcome that, right? Because video conferencing it really has just become uh, uh, an important part of communication in the business environment, and we're not going to get rid of it. So, uh, given the fact that it can be fatiguing, uh, how do we get people to engage in, in training? And the first thing that comes to my mind is what time of the day do I plan on? people uh, participating in training. So if it's from the uh, three o'clock to five o'clock in in the afternoon, good luck. luck. Yeah, (laughs) it's just going to be tough. But but if that's if that's the only choice, then we really as trainers, we really have to think about how are we going to keep people energized? How do we keep them involved and keep them learning? Because once any of that starts to slow down, they're going to check out. And right, because we're all conditioned to this passive experience uh, looking at, at screens, where when you're in the room together, that's that's an active experience, right? Uh, there, there really isn't a whole lot of escaping it, especially when, you know, in conversation where, you know, you start calling on people who may be starting to drift off to kind of pull them back into the conversation. Much more difficult to do, I think, in, in, uh, uh, in a virtual environment. Those are good points. Um, and certainly, I think we're all learning how to use this new medium and different tips and tricks. We, we've had several guests on the program offer tips and tricks, and I, I do my best to you know, minimize my email or, or close it completely, put my phone as far away from me as possible. 
Um, I, I just started hiding myself so I don't see myself on the Zoom meeting or the, the video uh, grid, which I, I think is helpful for engagement. But how do you prepare both the trainers for the new medium? You know, I know you said you've changed the, the time frame for how long you trained, but any other tips for the trainers that you give? And then also, do you give the trainees, do you give them tips or set expectations about, you know, how how to go about doing this so that it's more effective? Right. Yeah. So so for the trainers, the uh, the first thing, it, it's I think it's the same for uh, live training. You know, have a plan and stick to your plan and make all the contingencies part of your plan. How will you deal with people fading? How will you keep deal with people walking away uh, you know, <laughs> from the camera? That happens all of the time. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of people are working from home. They're going to be distractions. Uh, so I like to send out a, a prep guide to all participants and let them know what to expect. We're going to be together for 90 minutes. Here's the agenda. And during this time, I'll ask everybody to be on camera and on microphone. Uh, and I just give tips about, okay, how, if you're, you're working from home, how can you prepare for this, you know, deal with it. And the first thing is let's all just kind of be a little patient and forgiving with each other because these, this is part of life. Uh, somebody's doorbell is going to ring, a dog's going to bark, um, that sort of a thing. And we're going to work through it. But I like to kind of give them an idea of what they're going to expect, how they can prepare for it, um, and uh, and make sure that they under they understand what the trainer is expecting uh, of them as participants. So everybody can be successful and uh, and then really focus on keeping the conversation moving. I like to make sure everybody is talking. Uh, you know, at some point throughout each session. So that kind of introduces the uh, uh, the challenge of uh, limiting the number of participants. So, for example, like with TWI training, I like to do 10 people at a time uh, uh, in that training when it's live. But online, I want to limit it to five because I can't get 10 people involved in a conversation very easily. But, ten, but five people, I can. So, uh, uh but I think the biggest thing is prepare uh, for the training session, understanding the limitations of, uh, of the technology and also understanding how behaviors change using uh, uh, video conferencing and how they're different from, an on, uh, from a live experience. So, Steve, I have so many questions. I've got to be careful I don't uh, take over. Uh, but but let me ask one question. You know, I know that yeah. Gimba Academy and you and Ron, Pierre and the team over there are, are big believers, just like we are in the four step improvement kata and and that mindset. Um, you know, come March, we've been in this situation uh, for three years. So right. you know, we're, we're six months away from so two and a half years we've been in this. What's been the big aha discovery that maybe you've had as you've had to pivot and really get good in this uh, virtual world? What's been the really big wow? That was a big discovery. Um, I think the, the the biggest thing was, um, I think, that the mental roadblock that people had using uh, the video conferencing. It seemed that so many people really were, were not interested in, in participating. Uh, online and they they wanted to minimize the experience. Definitely didn't want to be on camera, um, and 
getting people over that, it happened with, with the pandemic and I, psychologically, I don't know what happened, but was it just that people accepted this is our reality now and this is the way business works? Or was it that they had so many video conferences internally once the, the pandemic started, they just got, a, they got conditioned to it. And then we kind of got over being uncomfortable on camera. Uh, so the, so I, I think for me, the aha uh, moment was there's a lot more going on than I seem to understand about mm. how to deliver instruction using this platform, mm. because it's not what it appears to be on the surface, in my opinion. There are so many subtleties with being able to deliver uh, quality instruction uh, using this, given that every single person in the session is in a different environment. And yeah. how is that affecting us differently? Really good. That, that's a really good point. Have have you still noticed? I mean, I know that you're in a different situation where y'all are as an organization, you're having people that are paying for training compared to our situation where we're a very large healthcare system and no one's necessarily paying. You know, I still find when I do training that regardless of how much prep and communication we do, we still have people that show up without a camera, or at least they say they don't have a camera. <laughs> yeah, I'm not so sure. Uh, do you ever still find that same situation in, in your setting, or is it different for you? Um, it, it happens from time to time. Yeah, the uh, uh, camera doesn't work, or they say they don't have one, something like that. And uh, and you, know, you can only push so hard on it, right? You ask for it. If it doesn't come through, I'm like, okay, well, we have to move forward. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, so do you, you still do you still try to engage in a conversation with them, even though there's not a camera? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and perhaps even more so because you know, there are subtleties about looking at uh, you know looking eye to die, eye yeah. to eye while you're having a conversation. Like you know the head nod, you can see that people are in agreement, eyes open if they're surprised about something. But no camera, we can't see that. So I have to ask for it. Yeah. yeah. So I might actually, if you're not on camera, you might get called on a lot yeah. more with me than if you were. Really, really good point. You know, uh, the other thing I'm curious about in what y'all have experimented with, and I chose that word specifically because I know y'all have such an amazing experimentation mindset at Gimba Academy, is what about hybrid because that's a different animal, right? And so it seems as if everything's going towards hybrid, not, you know, we kind of had this binary setting at first where we talked about completely in-person and then we talked about completely virtual, but it seems as if we're moving more towards a hybrid setting. What's been y'all's experience with that and, and what kind of improvements have you been thinking about in that regard? So with hybrid, you're talking about doing part of it online and then part of it in a, uh, a conference room or a classroom. Correct. All right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we've leveraged the flip classroom model uh, quite a bit over the years where we ask people to consume uh, uh, instructional content in advance of the, uh, the in-person session so that we can get more out of the conversation and more out of examples and exercises, that sort of a thing. Uh, so, so we've done that quite a bit. The uh, a, a, an observation I don't have data to support this, so it's really kind of anecdotal. Is that uh, when people are going to show up in person, they tend to do the prep work, mm -hmm. and when people show up online, less likely to do the prep work. 
I find that quite a few people aren't uh, aren't uh, uh, watching the videos in advance and mm-hmm. just kind of expecting they're going to be able to drift through the the session is what it appears like and and that doesn't work well. Uh, well I've actually just having some conversations internally at Kembo Academy about this. Uh, the so there's a difference between hybrid, right, which is the 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 prep work and in person, but the flipped classroom of prep work and then online. That's where I'm seeing a, a little bit of a diff- a little bit of difficulty, and I want to uh, I want people to be successful. So how do I go? How do I make sure people are doing the prep work, you know, in advance of this? So I really haven't gotten that figured out, and it's kind of led in you know, the conversation right now is should we go back to presenting the instructional content during the online sessions? You know, it's a big it, it doesn't consume more time for everybody. It just means everybody has to be in the same place at the same time for a longer period of time, which gets into complications and in scheduling. So there's been a lot written about um, the pandemic and the virtual classroom and its effect on uh, students' uh, att- you know, educational attainment or achievement. Um, you know, I think the virtual classroom training for the majority of, you know, especially the, the high school students and, and college students um, wasn't good. Um, they they had poor test scores, you know, and reading levels are, are lower than they had been in years. Do you think that's um, a testament to the medium itself or just the, you know, the virtual training medium and how, you know, less effective it is in general compared to in-classroom training? Or do you think it's, the quality of the virtual training in that if you had really high quality virtual training, would those test scores had stayed the same? You know, kind of a philosophical question, but you're you told me you're a philosophy major, so you know, <laughs> right, I thought it was right. fair game. Yeah, yeah. So I think well, the first thing that's coming to my mind is what is the difference in the experience? What are people experiencing? you know, uh, studying at home versus the classroom. So first of all, there is no interaction, right? You're isolated. And it's just, it's the same as if you're watching something on video, you might as well just be reading a book. So uh, what is the experience for the student who has to go home and just consume content and then sit silently in a, a virtual classroom while a teacher lectures? I mean, this is not an engaging environment. So what do we expect people really to absorb from that? Uh, I think a better question is, how do we overcome that? Because this virtual learning uh, isn't going away. So how do we get better at it? How do we create a better experience? And how do we keep people engaged uh, productively with each other? Now, like if we opened uh, chat, you know, private chat that's happening with, you know, pick your your platform. They're all the same. So we can we can instant message each other you know, during class. Well, is that a distraction or is that helping? You know, I, I've had many meetings with people um, watching the the chat on the on the side of the screen, just going just going crazy, but it's all very interesting, very productive on topic discussion. Where I don't know if this were high school students, I wouldn't expect that conversation to be on topic at all. Yeah. So yeah, uh, but it, but I guess my my biggest question is what is it about the experience, and it it, it suggests to me that people get much more out of the live. Uh, environment being surround being in a group of people we're social animals we want to be around people and when we're we're in a group like 
we're able to interact much differently than we do on video chat or even over the phone. Something that I noticed, uh, I've noticed from the very beginnings of uh, video chat in business, uh, the way the sound uh, technology works, for example, it really only allows one person to speak at a time, especially if you're not using headsets, right? Because your computer's got to switch from microphone to speaker back and forth, back and forth, and you can't hear the crosstalk. Where if we're in a room, if the three of us were sitting around having coffee, the three of us would be kind of over, you know, speaking over each other just a little bit. That's the way we communicate. And our brains can pick all of that up. And it's it's fun. It's inter- it's engaging. But the technology kind of says, OK, I'm speaking right now. Everybody else remain quiet. And then when I stop, somebody else can can speak. And right. And then it was like we have to like really deliberately take turns. And uh, right. And that doesn't happen in the, in the live in- environment. So, you know, classroom discussion, something pops up. I think it's I think I, I emotionally it's a much different experience than it would be on video chat. So so let me ask you this. Uh, I'll get very specific. Uh, you know, we do a lot of uh, the improvement kata coaching kata, just like Gimba Academy does. And uh, for people that are in that uh, realm, they're very familiar with what's known as the dominoes game. And we we played it a little different than Mike Rother had it in the original. But I remember at the time, people would get so energized and so excited. And I'd always have to tell them it's not about the dominoes. But it didn't matter what I said to them. It was about the dominoes. When we went uh, when we went virtual, uh, we we condensed the class so much it wasn't even funny and we didn't have the dominoes. And I, I understood that people said, well, you can do the breakout sessions. But once again, if I have people without cameras and, you know, but here's kind of where I've landed at. So I'd love to hear your critique or your feedback is that. Uh, so we've condensed the class, but the mindset right now is, yes, I want to engage you. It's going to be in a small amount of time, but let's be clear. All I'm really doing is sharing knowledge with you. You are gaining zero skill until you get out of that class and you get coached on some real work. Now, here's what I have discovered. The coaching virtually goes so much better than the training virtually because the coaching many times is one-on-one and relationships get built and all of a sudden they have a camera when the coaching starts (laughs) but in the training uh it's a just a different setting so uh, right now when it comes to training if we're being honest we're sharing knowledge Uh, Mm -hmm. if the coaching can't be in person i feel much better about the coaching being done virtually uh, so that we take that knowledge and, and create skill. Are you discovering or learning anything similar? Yeah, I, I would agree with you 100 percent on that. Uh, the transfer of knowledge can happen uh, pretty easily using video. And uh, and there's a struggle to develop skill. And, you know, with uh, uh, with Kata and I've done it with uh, job instruction and job methods, uh, just had, I, I came up with some exercises to do using a shared Excel file where everybody on a team can access the file at the same time. And then we're doing it via screen share, but we're keeping people active uh, doing that. Not all skills can be developed that way. Now we can, like we can demonstrate uh, Kata uh, doing that, uh, the improvement Kata working through that very, very easily. And, uh, but other things like job instruction becomes a little bit more of a challenge. Uh, firstly, you have to have 
uh, one exercise for everybody who's involved. And where typically when we teach uh, job instruction, we ask the participants, bring a, a simple job that you'll you'll break down and you'll teach, right? Well, they're not going to be able to do that so well in, in a virtual environment. I think it's still, uh, still a little unknown. What am I supposed to bring and how can I do this in such a way that I can demonstrate it on screen? and have, have somebody else actually do it from screen share, right? So someone across the country, how are they going to perform the skill? So you're pretty limited that way. So if you really wanted to uh, uh, come up with some exercises that people could do, um, you know, that might be a way through it. Um, at this point though, it is just, you know, just being on, uh, you know, just candid about it. It's challenging. It's challenging to get something that people can do um, through uh, video conferencing, you know, that, that one person being the uh, instructor, the other person being the learner. Um, but, you know, as time goes on, we're going to get better and better at it because this isn't going away. Yeah. I think I think that once organizations got over the hump of using uh, this technology for meetings, for training and discovered uh, the benefits, primarily uh, travel expense. And we can train a team from all around the globe at the same time. Uh, you know, now is to the point I think where organizations are saying this is this is going to stay. And if we don't absolutely need to be face to face, we won't be, because uh, you know, there's so many other complexities that we would have to overcome. So you know, we've talked a lot about the challenges that you have to overcome with the virtual training compared to in person. You just mentioned a couple of the benefits. But what about the medium itself that is maybe an improvement over the live environment? Um, anything you've noticed that you can share? You mentioned Chad. You mentioned the ability to share the Excel file over the classroom. Um, anything else that the virtual uh, environment you know, you know, has an advantage over live? Yeah, well, I think um, you know, breakout rooms are, are much easier in a virtual environment. Click a button, people are off in the room where in a live setting, it's five minutes for to get people from one table into other rooms sure. and get them to settle down and focus, right? So it, it takes much less time. Uh, also, in, in virtual breakout rooms, there's a clock going. And I tell people, you have two minutes, go, and there's a, there's a countdown and there are warnings popping up. Like, let's stay on top of, let's get to it. And we're able to get th through things uh, pretty quickly. So I, I would say that's an advantage. Um, when somebody sends me email, uh, for an example, hey, Steve, I'm having trouble understanding this, or here's this problem I'm having, and I can reply with click this link, let's talk about it, right? And then we're just instantly in uh, a video conference, and we're able to talk it through and work it through. I mean, to me, that's, that's a, a big advantage, especially when I'm working with people all around the globe. Um, you can't do that, right, in, in a live environment. Here, here's the thing I'm, I'm excited about. I know we're coming to the end of the podcast, but I really am sincerely excited. Having folks like you and Ron and the whole team at Gimba Academy, people that are in the field of training, people that are in the field of continuous improvement, people that truly believe in experimentation, I'm super excited uh, that y'all all of those dots are connected, no pun intended there, because right. 
because if anyone's going to learn about some of the obstacles and they're going to learn how to overcome those obstacles, no pressure, but it's going to be your team. And, and I'm, I'm really excited about that. Uh, I mean, as soon as I heard you speak about this in the past, I remember I reached out to you that day and said, Steve, please come on the podcast because I think we're going to have to continue to learn about this. Uh, now, what this has done for me is it's helped me decipher, we talk a lot about this in TWI, the difference between knowledge and skill. Uh, when it comes to developing the skill and having one-on-one coaching, I don't see the virtual being that big of a deal. Uh, I personally get coached every week by uh, uh, Dr. Edgar Schein and his son, Peter Schein, and we've developed this amazing relationship, uh, but I've never actually met them in person, you know? And so, the training element, giving the knowledge is where I struggle the most, you know, and so um, I am just so excited that y'all are in this situation. So let me let me kind of in the uh, let me kind of bring the podcast to a close by asking one more question. What's the one big obstacle that you're experimenting with now or you're experimenting against uh, that you're trying to overcome when you think about this new medium? A distraction. A distraction is is the obstacle keeping yeah. people really engaged focused on uh on the material and because there are so many factors of that is it the material is it my presenting style am i speaking too quickly too slowly mm. uh, all of these factors so i i, I want to test uh, all of this and i want to be very deliberate about what i expect and then when things don't really uh live up to my expectations that's the learning moment mm. Mm, that's good. Well, Steve, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. On behalf of Baptist Memorial Healthcare, we are so grateful for you. We we love the team at Gimba Academy. I think I'll get to see some of you coming up soon at the AME. And uh, just so thankful for you and for Ron and the whole team there and, and the great, great work that you're doing. So just on behalf of all Baptists, thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, you're very, very welcome. And thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. It's really a pleasure to be here. And thanks, everybody, for listening to Connecting the Dots. Remember, if you follow the link in the show notes, you can redeem this episode for CME credit.